You're listening to Common Ride with Me, a podcast about stunt-filled shows full of heroes. I'm James Dorrington, and I'm your expert. And I'm James Baker. I'm your newcomer. This week, we look at The Mandalorian and ask if it is Toku. Then we take a look at episode 17 of Common Rider Zero One. And... Action! So, yeah. Happy New Year, James. Happy New Year, bro. First pot of 2020. Yeah, it's going to be a good year. Yes, sir. Big things happening for coming around with me, guys. Though, so far, uh, I can say that I have found the first loser of 2020. Who is it? It is Weight Watchers, who decided to rebrand and run ads all over Twitter as MyWW, right as people were worried about World War Three starting. And it was oh. like... Just WW3, then like promoted tweet my WW. <laughs> I haven't seen any ads for that. Yeah, they went from like from Weight Watchers to my WW, but it just it like came out their huge ad thing and like here's like hashtag World War Three. That's bad timing, bro. Horrible. Yeah, like uh, brands are the worst on Twitter. Like, were you around when um like SpaghettiOs was honoring Pearl Harbor? <laughs> no, I missed that. Uh, Google SpaghettiOs Pearl Harbor. That's like the natural end point of like a culture where you have to be like, um, like we all need to comment on everything that like SpaghettiOs like, what are people going to think if we don't say something about Pearl Harbor? And it's like SpaghettiOs, I don't think they're going to think anything. Just take yeah. that like tweet off. It kind of, kind of reminds me of, uh, I forget the guy's name. He hosted the uh, Golden Globes last night. And he pretty much told everybody, like, just come up here, accept your award, and don't tell us about your views or anything because you're, you know, you're not even on like a normal person's life schedule. So don't have, don't feel like you have to comment on stuff that you can't relate to. That was pretty funny. Was that Ricky Gervais or is that somebody else? Yeah, that was him. Did you watch his monologue? No, I didn't. Yeah, that wasn't my thing. Like, I don't really care for the Golden Globes. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, uh, is there anything big that like, you've been looking at so far in 2020? Uh, 2020, uh, my biggest or most anticipated thing of 2020 so far is uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to go to a movie theater uh, recently, but um, the trailer just came out on YouTube, and now he has like a prologue that shows during the trailers, and it's fucking amazing, bro. Like It was so intense. It has some like Dark Knight... Uh, uh, feels and then it kind of had like inception feels too so this is really going to be a a huge movie for 2020 for me yeah there's nothing that's really like there's nothing that i'm there for yet right now for the year but i do really badly want to see cats more and more why it looks (laughs) so great what do you mean it's just (laughs) they got they spent like what like 200 million dollars on like all of the most prestigious and expensive people they could to put in these grotesque cgi cat suits but they have human hands and they're holding like weird fleshy tails and it's ah it just looks like a perfect mess (laughs) yeah um it's kind of like one of those things like it's so bad you have to see it type things 
Yeah, because why is like Rebel Wilson and Ian McKellen and like James Corden all in this Cats movie? I don't know, man. I'm a, I'll check it out whenever it hits streaming, but I don't want to see sit through that through a movie theater. <laughs> Although um, last year also had a very good, um, <laughs> very good bad movie, and that was um, Serenity. Oh, Can you hear about that? that? Oh, uh, it's a uh, not the one by Josh Whedon from like 15 years ago. Like Serenity was this movie about um, Matthew McConaughey was a fisherman trying to catch a fish named Justice. Yeah, I heard about it, but I thought it was supposed to be good. Was it was it did it tank? Uh, I'm going to spoil this so like skip ahead like 30 seconds. Um it turns out that it's all a video game and that Matthew McConaughey <laughs> died during the Iraq war and his son modded a fishing game to play as his dad to act out the fantasy of killing his stepdad who was abusing his mom. What in the f- <laughs> yo? That, I, I, I don't believe you, bro. Fine. I think you're trolling me. If you is it Toku? <laughs> we'll find out for next time when we talk about Serenity. Is, yeah, is it Toku? I, no, uh. I honestly don't believe you. I feel like you're trolling me. Uh, if you could watch that movie, it, it's free. If it's not free, it's okay. You could pirate it. No one owns it anymore. Uh, no, it is a fishing movie about grief and justice. Oh, okay. But no, I'm um, like what video game? I was not lying to you. Watch the movie. It has it has an amazing work, an amazing cast. <laughs> but yeah, um, one thing I can't help but think of is um, that this was an incredible year for like Toku. Actually, there was a lot of really good like stuff going on. You had the like, Kamen Rider um, Zero One, really strong start. Comrade Zio, like right around this time, like the previous like season, it got better. It started off real bad and got like really strong around this time and like had like a pretty all right season by the end of it. Like not the best, but it it definitely improved. Um, Ultraman, the company that owns Ultraman, like won its lawsuit and now they can start like marketing in like um, the rest of the world besides Japan. Um, there was like lots of cool, like small stuff that like, came out. Just a very strong year for Toku, I think. Was there anything like not like like in like retrospect that you've been looking at? Like, like what have you just been watching? Yeah. Uh, this week or over the last couple of two weeks, I've started watching Star Wars Clone Wars. Uh, the reason being is because I checked out The Mandalorian, of course, and I liked it a lot, and I realized that I didn't know a ton about. The Mandalorians, and I always heard that they kind of touch on the backstory in the Clone Wars, <clears throat> and I've been enjoying it so far. Uh, I picked it up when it was airing uh, a couple years ago, but I dropped it because I, I felt like it was too kiddy, and it was like a lot of filler episodes. But I saw a really cool blog online, and it said the essential episodes that you should watch and the episodes that you should skip, and it's been helping out my uh, <clears throat> my. Uh, my watch with it this time and uh, other than that uh, i finally picked up uh bojack horseman on uh, netflix uh, i saw it on uh, a list for best shows of the decade and i realized that i never watched it and i started checking it out and it's actually really really good i mean uh i can't really say i haven't seen a cartoon like this before but i really have it <laughs> uh i don't really know 
anything to compare it to. It feels like a real life drama. Um, the characters are funny. Bojack's a really interesting character. Uh, and, you know, it being uh, pretty much based in L.A. and following the actors bounce back into, you know, being the talk of the town is really interesting. Mm. Yeah, like I um, have lots of things like that, like I want to check in on. And like, I think um, Bojack's one of them. Like, I want to watch Steven Universe like future like I um, but like my biggest one has to be uh, I like am constantly like wishing I had spent more time on like Mob Psycho 100. Mm-hmm. Cause like it just like that whole like concept for like a show and like the like way that like you have a character who's so powerful, but they want to succeed in other areas. And they're like, I don't want to be like the best at being psychic. Like I want to be good at sports. Like, it's just like, Oh, this is like a very interesting like story. And I like, just like, did not like, did not give it like enough time really to like actually like watch it for real. Have you seen the first season or I saw the first episode, but it was like right when I was moving and all kinds of stuff. So like I didn't really stick with it. Okay. So first season is really good. I haven't had a chance to sit down and actually watch the uh, second season, which came out last year, but I do plan on going back and checking it out because it kind of reminds me of a version of uh, one punch man. And since one punch man is pretty much taking a, (laughs) taking a beating, last year with the you know the animation and the horrible season two i kind of want to pick up mob psycho more because i heard it was a really good season uh i saw it on on a lot of uh best anime of list so i definitely have to go check it out but i i like uh i like mob psycho as well it's wild to think that um the person that like made both those series is terrible at drawing yet he still was able to have like two animes made of like shows like he, he like draws like it's barely coherent like it's really bad like marker kind of stuff yet they were so popular like online that they got redone by like a really good artist and like made into their own like shows that's really cool okay i i guess that makes sense with the face design it's very basic like it's not really like your regular anime like detailed and everything it's kind of like a you know like a uh, like a blank face not really showing a lot of emotion no yeah like um his like original artwork is like a like sketch that like you might do in like high school compared to like that though like it's like kind of funny (sighs) and still haven't seen star wars probably not gonna (laughs) yeah you completely check that of the star wars universe uh mandalorian we should talk about the mandalorian Yeah, I love to ping Womp Rats in my T16. Oh, hey, everyone. I'm just <laughs> naturally talking about Star Wars. Womp Rat. Yeah, Womp Rat. It's fair to say that Star Wars is one of the most important universes in popular culture. Yeah, it actually started the big fandom uh, from what I hear. And I heard things as far as it wouldn't be a Marvel universe if it wasn't for Star Wars. and. Uh, I guess I agree with that. No, yeah, like, it's definitely, like, one of the ones that, like, really added momentum to it. Like, you have stuff like Star Trek and stuff and, like, fandom, but also just, like, Star Wars just made things blow up in a way that, like, in my head, like, I always kind of go, like, 
it was Star Wars and then it was Harry Potter. And then like after that, you have like the Marvel Cinematic. But like every like generation, it seems, has that big kind of blow up one fandom, you know? Yeah. And it's been around for decades. So that shows you how big this one is. <laughs> and um, so what's your take on just like modern Star Wars? Like, have you liked what's been going on lately in the universe or like what's been happening or uh, as far as the films uh yeah with force awakens i really like that um a lot of people are calling it a copy a copycat of uh, a new hope and i would i wouldn't say i disagree i can see the similarities but i really don't think it's a copycat but i really enjoyed uh force awakens uh last jedi i didn't hate it but i didn't like it as much as uh as force awakens and uh, even though a lot of people are bashing Rise of Skywalker, I didn't mind it. Um, I thought that the director, J.J. Abrams, had his back against the wall with what happened with, you know, The Last Jedi. And pretty much he was trying to right the wrongs of that film and get that fan base back. But with doing that, you kind of spent half of the movie writing wrongs of Last Jedi and not really doing a lot of exposition or, you know, explaining things you set up in the first film. But uh, as far as the, the, the film franchise, I think they pretty much fucked up, to be honest, with uh, without having the same director do all three and just having like directors <laughs> that they chose to just come up with their own take on what should happen was a horrible idea from the beginning. And uh, I think they realized their mistakes with that. And with Disney Plus, they have a, a platform that could, they could kind of like fill in the blanks or use, you know, super glue to stick things together now. So, for instance, with The Mandalorian, even though it takes place in the trilogy that we're so familiar with, it feels like it's in its own space. Um, throughout the whole show, we don't really see any Jedi, or we don't see any Jedi at all. And I don't want to spoil what happens at the end, but something pops up that's reminiscent of, you know, the the movie franchise. And I don't really think they had to go there, but it's a really cool Easter egg that makes you want to go back and watch uh, Clone Wars. And I, I think the show is called Rebels. But, yeah, uh, we'll have like some full spoilers though like once we look at there but yeah like there's definitely some interesting stuff that happens yeah and like you know cool easter eggs and stuff like that and <clears throat> like i said at the top of the pod uh the mandalorian made me want to go back and watch more canon star wars stuff so even though i was not as high on the movies as i should have been this show has really got my <laughs> hype back for star wars and now i'm all in watching the clone wars but um, I'm looking forward to seeing the uh, Obi-Wan series that's coming up, and I just saw that some news dropped about the next Star Wars movie taking place, I guess, 400 years before the first one, so I'm like, why are we even, like, backtracking? Like, you ended the Skywalker saga, you should just move forward, but instead of moving forward, they want to play around with, you know, like, <laughs> uh, more Jedi stuff, I guess, like the origin of the Jedi, but... uh. Hopefully they figure out something. I mean, they have uh, John Favreau, and I heard they're supposed to get Kevin Feige to help out with a little bit of direction in the franchise. So hopefully that helps. Yeah, it's hard because like um, I think that I understand having three different directors. I think they need to have more of a through line, um, like with even without those directors. But also, I'm glad they took uh, the original director for like Episode Nine, like Colin Trevorrow, off. Um, he. <laughs> He was not ready for prime time. Now, um, like J.J. Abrams is totally a perfect choice to start something. Horrible choice to finish it, but um, better choice than that guy. 
I don't like JJ Abrams, but at least like he his issues aren't like offensive ones or like he makes bad ends and tells bad stories, but he doesn't like quite just upset you in certain ways that they're like, why would you? Yeah. He even said it himself. He said he sucks at anything. So, I mean, I know you don't have a lot of choices of other directors that are willing to take on closing out the Skywalker soccer, Skywalker saga, but why choose JJ Abrams? If you know, he sucks at closing things, you know what I mean? Like the plan from the beginning was in shambles and they pretty much brought JJ back to kind of clean up the last Jedi's miss mess and to still answer some questions from force awakens. But, um, hopefully they learn from, you know, just not really going in with a clear cut plan and, um, not really knowing which direction they want to go. And I see a lot of people starting to blame the fan base for what happened with this trilogy, because whenever George Lucas came back and did the prequels, Everybody was bashing him and saying it was horrible and pretty much discrediting this guy who fucking made Star Wars. And if you weren't so hard on him, and even though a lot of people don't like them, even though if you weren't so hard on him about about them and kind of like addressed it in a different fashion, maybe he would have came back and closed it out and learned from his mistakes. But since we're all in this whole state of, you know, bashing stuff and, uh, you know, uh, you know, pretty much saying shit sucks all on Twitter and social media, people see that shit and they don't want to put their name back out there and ruin everything. You know what I mean? It's like a major problem though, that like you are making a movie like star Wars episode nine and you're like, and like you're worrying about like Reddit comments. Like it felt like I have like heard the whole of this movie, like talked about and spoiled. Like I like probably seen like 20 minutes of it. Like I've um, watched people just like beat by beat just break it down and it seems like maybe there's too much of a focus on like writing the wrongs of like what people felt and like i didn't like lost jedi but like it was like a well-made movie and it didn't like you could just ignore things instead of like addressing them and i think that it was like very much felt like it did have like well let's make sure that people that like harass this actress get the movie they want instead of just saying okay let's take a step back let's look at what we have because it felt like it did spend so much of its time just trying to like erase like the ground left for it rather than just like tread its own yeah and i would pretty much compare the last jedi and season eight of game of thrones to each other and uh what i mean by that is whenever you have people online with that's making a living on youtube and fans that are like theorizing on what could possibly happen? And, uh, you know, these people dedicate their lives to like, you know, this mythology and this universe, and they know what should happen and what should not. And when directors go online and see that this person possibly predicted the end of a show and they subvert it just because they don't want to be predictable or they don't want the fans to guess every step or avoid fan service by doing that, they kind of ruin the whole continuity of what should happen. You know what I mean? Uh, instead of trying to subvert and be different, maybe they should actually take some of the fans' advice of how it should end, and I think everybody would be happy. I think you can hear your like, you can hear what people are saying without like focusing on it. And it seemed like with Red Skywalker, it was a lot of just like maybe like too focused on that to the point of like not being able to do anything on its own. Although it just seems like it's perfectly made to try and like 
answer every question without maybe care for actually putting on like an interesting story or continuing like it's like oh ray's hood is a reference to to like to alderaan but ray didn't have a character arc you know yeah but uh hopefully they learn from their mistake i really do hope so because um just watching clone wars is like it's a lot of untapped area to mine still and i saw that season seven's coming back uh in february 17th so i'm looking forward to that Hopefully I'm all caught up by then, but, uh, and I'm not really sure where the Obi-Wan series takes place, but just like that area that, that they're constantly mining is really interesting, but I'm just ready for them to move past what happened after Rise of Skywalker, but instead they want to go forward or go back 400 years before episode or before Rogue One, pretty much. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't understand it, but we should talk about like the, uh, well, like why we're here actually, um, the Mandalorian, which is a, like. One thing that like I like here is that it does get to subvert some of these issues. It still has like some issues with like fan service and I think like maybe not being willing to take risks. Still they t- they told the story where the people involved and the places involved don't have to worry about like what the emotional state of Han Solo and his son are. They can still tell their own story without being without having to affect that or being affected by it, which I think is really important when you're looking in like a world like this is saying, okay, we can't mess with Death Stars. We need to just kind of have somebody who's not a part of that like conflict, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, like um, you, you mentioned how like there uh, are rumors that the next movie is like set like 400 years before like Rogue One or whatever. Um, it's good to see Star Wars that isn't hyper-focused on Jedi. Because that is like a big mistake, I think, that's been made where like so much of Star Wars has been like on Jedi. That's only like a third of the original movies is like that whole like issue of like light side, dark side, blah, 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 like force, you know? Yeah. And I don't want to come off like I hate Jedi and I hate lightsabers, but it was really cool to to watch the Mandalorian and not have to, uh, you know, see that nonstop. And they didn't want to lean into like, you know, using the force and stuff like that. So. It's really cool to see, you know, I wouldn't say average people, but it's cool to see characters that aren't capable of force choking someone or, you know, dodging or deflecting laser <laughs> beams and stuff like that. So it was re- very refreshing for mm-hmm. the Mandalorian. And um, the basic thrust of the story is that we have kind of like a badass, but also like a rather bubbling warrior from this race that's been kind of like, they've had like a massive diaspora and they've been like spread out and now they're like no longer moored by like their home planet and they're like just taking what work they can and like it's like here's my life trying to provide for myself and my people blah 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 and then here's like this like pretty early conflict of what is right versus what is like my path you know this is the way that kind of stuff um so i liked um the start of the show i think a lot like what do you think of um the first like three episodes, let's say that little arc. Uh, the first one was I wouldn't say it was rough, but mm-hmm. uh, come to find out that it was directed by the guy that does Clone Wars. Uh, his name is uh, Dave Filoni, mm-hmm. and uh, he directed some of the, the most weakest episodes. I wouldn't say they were bad; it was some of the weakest. And they're saying it's probably because he's not used to directing real life people, <laughs> so it did kind of feel robotic and video gamey at points, but. Um, when the show started, you know, getting into the later episodes, there was a lot more dialogue and a lot more 
acting out emotions and stuff like that. But the first three, um, I thought they were pretty solid. Um, I think the third episode was the Deborah Chow episode, mm-hmm. with uh, which got me locked into the series when all the Mandalorian like saved Mando at the end. Uh, that was pretty fun scene, and I think it was the, either you or somebody that told me that that episode was inspired by Yojimbo, the Akira Kurosawa film that I haven't seen yet, but um, I definitely need to go back and do my homework on that. Yeah, and like I just um, I liked how they started. Like it felt like here's this like rough, tough character who's kind of like a horror villain, and then it goes to um them being met with this like moral dilemma oh here is this defenseless like baby here's this child i've been tasked with giving to people i know mean to do it harm or at least don't have its best interest at heart and like there's been a lot said on baby yoda it's like very ugly cute it's very like great mannerisms it's like lots of gifts and that kind of stuff but like i think just um to go like lone wolf and cub on it and just say here is this um known warrior and here's this like child like it was a good way to go with the series i think yeah and i heard it was inspired by uh lone wolf lone wolf and cub yeah so i definitely want to go back and check that because i saw this really cool video i think it was uh the nerdist did it over on youtube they did uh if you like the mandalorian here's eight films that you should watch after and it was a bunch Mm -hmm. of like samurai films and a lot of cowboy films that i've never seen before so Lone Wolf and Cub is there's this notable warrior. I forget his exact role. Maybe like he's like a bodyguard or like a major warrior, like for this like Shogun. Um, and his family gets killed, except for his young three year old son. Like it's like um been referenced a lot in pop culture. Like if you like listen to like a lot of like uh like a lot of like rap in the '90s and like comics in the '90s, like made reference to it like um like i think um like wu-tang has like one song that's like ball of the sword but uh like it was like here's like your favorite toy and he and like here's my sword if you go towards like your toy i'll know that revenge is not in your heart and i'll kill you but if you go towards like this like sword like i'll know that you can handle like a hard life and come live with me as we get revenge <laughs> and it's that kind of thing and it's like a super notable like i think like in like the early 70s it was like a very big like deal like pop culture like touchstone for people who like were just getting into like that kind of like stuff yeah that sounds amazing i i think i mostly like the character of baby yoda yeah like to see that it's just like naturally so powerful but also from this like race where like no one knows like it like there's lots of cool like story stuff there where you see why it matters to the empire but also why it's um still helpless you know yeah and it's really interesting to find out if it's actually the baby yoda so pretty much yoda being a clone or if it's his own you know person uh since we don't know what the species is called is the reason why we're calling it baby yoda but it's so much to learn and supposedly season two is going to try to find his you know the rest of his species and uh, it's just another big adventure about to happen and um do you think that um it's from Yoda and Yaddle getting it on. I really hope not, because <laughs> not only do I not want to see see that visualization, but I mean, you already have like so many people breaking the Jedi code and you know having sex and having kids. You can't have Yoda breaking the code too. He's supposed to be like defaced of being a Jedi. So if you have Yoda having sex 
I mean, what's the point of even being a Jedi at that point? You know what I mean? And pretty sure, why not have Obi-Wan have a kid? And, you know, saying, like, I really hope he's not uh, Yoda's son. If anything, I hope it's actually a clone of Yoda or uh, another species. I wouldn't mind if it's just, like, from his species. Because, like, uh, I don't know. Um, It's fine if it's not related. I am looking forward to uh, his future because I've been seeing some really cool concept art of uh you know baby yoda grown up with mandalorian armor on and that looks sick <laughs> that would almost be more funny he's holding like the pistol with the uh i think it's called a dark saber that's well, yeah. some really cool concept photos of him you know taking on the dark saber and the the pistol so with the jetpack on so if they do something like that i'm all in on that that sounds like a cool take on a yoda-ish creature for the future of the franchise in the lore, I think that, like, Mandalorians, like, have their, like, cool metal and stuff and, like, their warrior training. They're supposed to, like, kind of be, like, one of the few, like, counter, like, if you're, like, thinking of, like, the universe as, like, a class-based thing. They're, like, the counter to Jedi and um, the Darksaber, which we see at the end of the series um, when Gina Carlo Esposito's character, Moff Gideon, cuts through his TIE fighter with that Darksaber. That was actually a lightsaber made by the first Mandalorian Jedi, or like the only, I don't know, but some kind of important like character like that. I think it's a major item in the Clone Wars or Rebels. It's like a major like plot point, like the Darksaber and who has it and like what it means. Yeah, that's the only reason. That's one of the reasons why I'm watching Clone Wars to actually learn about the significance of the Darksaber and how did it end up in this guy's hand, so... That's what I'm spending the next few weeks of my life to. <laughs> Hopefully it has a better explanation than uh, just um, like Maz Kanata had it. Uh, but no, um, the best part of the Mandalorian maybe like was seeing that middle part, though, where it did let itself experiment. Like that one episode, um, like with all the bounty hunters, that was more like a horror movie. Like that was really good. I like that. Oh, yeah. The, the jail heist. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Yeah, and um, I'd love to see Warner, um, Werner Herzog. He's great. It's so weird that he's in Star Wars in like 2019, but he is. Uh, <laughs> and like, it was sad to see him die, but also um, to to see like Gus Fring himself come out was made it worth it. Yeah, that was one of my favorite characters of the Mandalorian. And uh, I don't really buy merch a lot, but I found myself buying a Quill Pop, <laughs> and I bought a uh, Mandalorian Pop and a Baby Baby Yoda Pop. So that tells you how much I like the show. Was there anything that you like majorly like didn't like about it, or uh, I didn't have a ton of dislikes about it. Um, yeah, I didn't have a ton of dislikes at all. I can't really even think about anything that I disliked about it. Um, because the fluff episodes, I mean. You can't expect every episode to be a banger, so you're going to definitely come across shows where some episodes are not as good as others, but overall, I really enjoyed it, especially for season one, so you know the budget's going to be even bigger for season two, so for for the first season, I thought they did a, a really good job. Yeah, I I do kind of wish that it had let itself be like a little weirder, like it is like the first Star Wars TV show, like I get like why they might want to play it safe, but I like wish they like had even, like, let it be, like, a little bit more, like, PG-13 or, like, a little more open. I get that everything's PG on Disney+, Plus, but i like to see what, like, a slightly more, like, scum and villainy, like... You could feel the tone shift 
in the later episodes. I think, like you said at the beginning, they kind of wanted to play it safe, but it started to breathe a little bit towards the end, especially that that finale. Oh my god, one of the best Star Wars episodes, whatever. I fucking love that. The one that uh, I think Taka Waititi directed that that finale episode. It was amazing. With that really just like yoked R two D two that came out of that like pile <laughs> of rubble. Yeah. No. Um. Uh. But I had one one favorite moment from the series, and it's like a weird one. But I liked how when the Mandalorian and um, I forget her name, but the um, female bounty hunter are like they're arm wrestling. And then Baby Yoda just starts to force choke her. Oh, and, yeah. And they have to be like, no, no, stop that. Stop that. No, we're just playing. Yeah, that was funny. Like, more of that kind of stuff. And I'm yeah. down. I think it's on the way, man. I think they're in good hands. John Favreau is here. I'll say he's a genius. He knows what he's doing. John Favreau's going to take care of that. That's his, that's his baby now. Yeah, John Favreau is definitely like somebody who, like, is just like a very uh he's very reliable for them because he like put in a lot of work for marvel he even like made like his whole like movie about like running like a food truck after he was like too stressed out about it but he still came back and helped them with like a lot of stuff behind the scenes he's somebody that like has his identity but also like fits in there for them for like their various like disney stuff at this point yeah they could get a couple of more guys like that they're in good hands but I think the lady, her name, Catherine, Kathleen Kennedy or something like that. I don't think, I don't really think she knew what she was doing too much. And I heard rumors about Kevin Feige eventually getting involved in Star Wars. And Kevin Feige and John Favreau would definitely have this franchise back to not being as polarizing as it is at, at the moment. Well, Kathleen Kennedy, uh, if there's like anybody who could like prevent a kevin feige though it's kathleen kennedy she's like been around since empire she's regardless um one more thing i wanted to hit on the mandalorian was the question of is it toku like is it a toku show um and like i'll go second but like what's your thought on that i mean you know more toku stuff than me but uh i know we talked about it on the last pod and um after like actually sitting down and you know, actually con- trying to compare it to an actual Toku show, I would have to say no. <laughs> I think that's a big, a big reach to say that it is Toku. I mean, even though he wears a helmet, um, he doesn't have a sword yet. Or, um, pretty sure most of the writers have swords, right? Uh, yeah, like a lot do. Okay, so I would say no. How about you? So, um, uh, I was conflicted because it was definitely like a case where I wanted like immediately i was like it's not but then i didn't have a reason that didn't seem like crap like it's like how like some people are like oh um it's anime because it's made in japan like that's not a good reason like that makes like no sense like i think it's like that kind of thing where i like immediately knew without being able to put my finger on it that i didn't think it was toku but i wanted to have a reason and i think i do have a better thought out reason so toku translates to live action to live action special effects and like i think um what you see a lot is like when you compare like practical effects to cgi um cgi is meant to make look real something that's fantastic and like practical effects aren't exactly trying to look real and they almost are more fantastic 
even if you can see that they're like more fake or whatever, like they can stick with you more. Like even if you can see like maybe like the like seams of like the monster suit kind of thing. And I think um, <laughs> with Toku, there's like a um, there's like a separation from reality that like the like suits and the effects and the weapons have that is what makes it Toku to me. Like it's when you see somebody um, like a monster in, in Kamen Rider can be shot by as many guns as you want, but it's not going to die. But as soon as you see somebody kind of from that, like monsters dimension in like a suit of their own, they can fight it kind of thing. Like how um, you could only fight Godzilla with a monster that's shaped like Godzilla. Okay, I got you. Like almost like um tune rules, like um like who frame Roger Rabbit. Like you can only stop the villain with tune logic. Like there's a clear separation of two realities that like are both on screen, and that's what Toku is, versus in something like the Mandalorian, he might be in a suit, there might be effects, like there might be stunts, but they're still never meant to be like that separation. They're still part of that same like reality does that make any sense to you no that makes a lot of sense um this is like definitely one of those things that i would love to hear from people because while i like my answer it's definitely a very contentious issue of what is toku and what is not let's move on to something that is toku and that is common writer zero one episode 17 authorize This week we watched Karma Rider Zero One, Episode Seventeen. I'm the only president and Karma Rider. Yeah, and that's like an interesting title because um, the first episode is called "I'm President and Common Rider," and this one's like a play on that. Last time we ended a pretty major arc, like we ended kind of like the first third or so of the show off, and we liked that for the most part, right? Yeah, yeah, I liked how it ended, and then the beginning of this felt like a new beginning as well. It's very slow paced at the beginning. A uh, few fights in the middle, and then ended off transitioning into what's going to happen next. So it definitely felt like they felt like they're you know pretty much laying out the foundation of what's going to be happening in Kamen Rider Zero One. One thing that I like is like a person can see some of the like scenes on like on like production stuff. Is um, there are definitely episodes of Kamen Rider where you are like, oh, they added a fight here, so they reached whatever minimum like they had to have like three minutes of fighting per episode or whatever. Cause they have like story to tell. And like here, it felt like that where it was just, here's like a random fight in the middle. <laughs> yeah. It felt really forced. I'm glad you felt it that way too. And I felt like them debuting, uh, Bowser was a little bit too fast too. I'm like, damn, we just fucking, <laughs> we just fucking ended that arc. Now we're hopping straight into Bowser now, like from the get go. So um, I feel like they could have took their time with Bowser. I mean, I don't mind them showing him and his abilities so soon, but I feel like we could have waited maybe like another episode or two, but not the first episode after, you know, Hirobi being taken out as well as Jin. I thought that was a little bit too fast. What did you think of Bowser though? Uh, I like that he could use both keys, uh, the Progrise and the, uh, what was that? Yeah, Progrise. The Zetsumorize? Yeah, I like that he could use the Progrise and the Zet Samurai's key. I do like that. Um, Guy said that it was pretty much uh, Arudo's father's uh, idea to have a belt like that. And he kind of mastered it. 
So that was pretty cool. Uh, the costume design, I'm not really big on it. I think it looks ugly. I'm not a fan of it. Um, and I was surprised that Aruto got taken down so easily. But mm-hmm. usually with shows like this that are pretty much shown, and you can't have the you know the MC defeat the the baddie at the beginning. You have to have him pretty much struggle at the beginning and then find a way out to uh, defeat Thouser. But uh, yeah, I feel like it was like a little bit rushed. He's super OP already, and um, yeah. What did you think? Um, I liked that the suit was ugly, honestly, because it is like a suit for like a conceited asshole who thinks he's like the king of everything. It makes sense that it's like super like um like gold and purple and everything, and like it works narratively, like even if it's not like the best looking suit. I kind of thought it was gonna be more powerful. The zero one, like, like it makes sense. Like when they're like, oh, like I'm like one thousand times stronger than you, and like they said, like when he like had his new form, like that's five hundred times stronger or whatever, or like five hundred percent or whatever. But no, um, there were interesting things. One was um, they definitely like made like a meme format when they had his um, one power he has is he can like touch like somebody else's belt and, and like steal their key. But his um, <laughs> yo. Speaking of that part, that was so weird. Like he did that, and he was like jacking something. I'm like, whoa, what the it, fuck is going on? His like, finisher when he does that is called jacking break, and that's what I was gonna say. That's a meme format. Yeah, I was like, they couldn't have come up with another word other than jacking. Like, whoa, that's just crazy, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, before Mad Men, like. A couple years ago, there was a show on like Fox or something that was about like this like ad firm, and um, it had this airline company that was like trying to make like a new ad campaign. They're like, "Oh, make somebody's name like a verb." Like Apple had just like done something like Dan down the street or something, and they were like, "Okay, let's do a uh, for Jack." It's called Jacket to Celine Dion, like Jacket on the plane, <laughs> Jacking break. Uh, yeah but what i did like a lot was that at the end of his like whole transformation like thing it said presented by zaya and his like finisher had like copyright by zaya in it oh yeah like it had like little commercial um quotes and stuff in it that was pretty funny i did like that his whole thing goes like the king is crowned when five horns meet and then it goes presented by zaya i was like okay <laughs> yeah that's pretty funny and yeah like i um did like their fight like it felt early but also you can see him in the fight adjusting to shining hopper and like and like getting like that pattern down so it kind of made sense to me to say okay at least they're showing that he made this thing he's like the next step but he's like adjusting to this and figuring this out Mm -hmm. he beat ardo bad (laughs) how'd you feel about them bringing back Hirobi already i mean um we saw that he'd been healed at least last episode so it makes sense that they'd like have some Hannibal Lecter stuff happening for a while with him and like Fua I don't know mm-hmm. this like definitely felt like they barely they barely had like Fua and like Yua in it mostly just to have them and like check in so it this felt like very much about Aruto and about like just introducing so much stuff like for Zaya their big product is like the Zaya spec which is this um ear thing that makes you think as fast as fast as an ai so so that people can beat human gears 
yeah, the Xia specs. It's pretty much like a limitless pill. <laughs> it's interesting because um, one, it's very high minded to have the first competition be like floral like arrangement. That's not something you'd see on like a kid show in like the US, for example. It's just like okay, like I like that. Like there's stuff that is like weird that happens or like closer to like just uh not the most popular pop culture happening in like common writer sometimes the whole kind of through line of the show so far has been um what is the place of humans in a world where there are people who are better at the labor that we do and that has lied in heart and like creativity and passion and then like we've also seen that when like a human gear gets to singularity they're gaining heart and creativity and passion so it's kind of like to further that conversation to say now here's people who can do as much as a human gear so like what is this main difference like going to be as things kind of keep escalating and like what is a person what is not kind of kind of like argument yeah so it seems like guys end goal is to completely get rid of human gears and just have these specs on the street and have people do, do their work for themselves that's what it seems like uh yeah um it reads to me like um how sometimes like you get people that are like oh this is the end of like western civilization blah 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 like whatever like bts outsells like the beatles or something and it's like oh well like here's the end of culture and it's like no i think that um where like what this feels like is the argument of um dismiss other groups and other people and like what we're seeing is that human gear's own kind of thoughts on what mattered for like floor arrangement and, and like what was beautiful what i think is like the show is now going to like examine what is culture and what is like the culture of like a different group of society and that's really interesting to me yeah, and even the competition itself felt kind of set up too. It kind of felt like the judges were working for a guy, and even uh, Yua felt kind of out of place. I was like, "Why is she there?" And come to find out, like she's all in with Zaya now. And uh, I forget the name of the theme that they're supposed to do was like first day of summer or something like that. Uh, the first sunrise of the new year. Yeah, so I thought that uh, Sakuyo's uh, decoration or arrangement was a lot better than uh, Tachibana's. But they obviously wanted to go with the guy that's pretty much ha- has them on their payroll. That's what it felt like. And they went out of their way to look for mistakes with her arrangement. But I, I honestly thought that hers is better than his. I don't know if it was supposed to be like that for the viewers to think that the bright colors were better than the dull colors. Because I'm like, that's not really the first day or sunrise or anything like that, like his dull colors. But uh, it just felt like the, the whole competition was rigged. And that was a returning actor, I think. Um, he actually played two years before. He played a robot who thought he was human, like his whole life. That was like actually programmed, like by the bad guy, like a, like a, a couple seasons back. Oh, that's cool. So, like, it's like a scary time though, because like now any human gear can be hacked and like made berserk, or like they can just make like berserk like human gears like fresh. Like now that like the arc's online and like. She got like turned into like a like monster for having one bad thought, basically, which is wild. Yeah, I guess that's the power of the arc because usually they have to get hooked up to, you know, the uh, the my <clears throat> the my gear of the the week 
But uh, yeah. n- now once they have a bad thought, they're switching, switching up. And that was very interesting, too. So I don't really know where they're going to take that. But that's a whole different dynamic to um, this show now. One thing, too, is at the end, we do see somebody who is a like hooded figure carrying a belt and like a um, key. So oh, yeah. I have no idea who that could be. That could be like another like friend of like Hirobi and Jin, or that could be like a person. We we don't really know at this point. But um, no, I liked the interplay between Guy and Arto. Like I liked uh, the point where like where Guy says, "Yeah, because you're so bad at like running your company, um, my new like technology sold six hundred forty seven percent." And then, like, the first thing Ardo says is, so not 1,000% of what you thought. <laughs> like, oh. Typical Ardo. He actually gave one of the best jokes of the show so far at the beginning when he was like, that would be a new fears resolution. <laughs> that was pretty funny. I was like, starting the new year off right. <laughs> yeah, and everything just, like, looks real peaceful, but I like where this new arc is going. You can definitely see, like, where Guy seems super, like jealous that he wasn't the right person to be the successor yeah i wanted to bring that up he's like and he chose you i'm like oh shit so there's some jealousy there but uh i do still need to see a little bit more character development from guy i'm not really sold on him being the big bad of this arc i don't really feel like he's that threatening other than he has a lot of money and a lot of tech he doesn't seem like like as scary as a hirobi or a jinn if you uh if you see what I'm trying to say. He kind of reminds me of, um, remember in like Iron Man 2, the like knockoff Tony Stark? Yeah, that that's character? what he seems like. That's exactly what it seems like, a Tony Stark type. Uh, playboy, millionaire, smartest guy in the room, uh, just trying to rule the world with his tech. But for me, for, for someone to be an actual villain, I need to see some villainy type stuff. Like he he's not really trying to be a bad guy, I don't think. I think that he's just trying to pretty much take hidden intelligence from Aruto and that's his end goal. He's not really trying to take over the world, but he does want his tech to be what everybody's using instead of like the human gears. He wants to hurt Aruto and destroy what he couldn't have seems to be it. Like it very yeah. much seems like Kornosuke, like the grandfather said, my grandson Aruto has a very good heart and understands what is at the core of a person matters the most. He can lead the future. And then, like, for guys, just like, but I was smarter. I was better. I'm going to prove it. I'm going to destroy your grandson. Like, I'll, like, destroy your whole business and your whole legacy and, like, your whole movement. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure. And I'm pretty sure at the end, it'll come, like, a moment where he becomes an ally instead of an enemy. And he realized that he doesn't have what Arudo has, and that's heart. Because, obviously, this guy only cares about himself. He seems like a narcissistic uh, human being. Yeah, it, it's hard to know because um, that's happened in like previous shows, but also previous shows have done that and then been like, well, I'm glad we handled that bigger threat. Um, I just like put my sword through your chest and you're in the hospital while I try and like finish taking over the world or something. So he could totally like turn good, then turn right back. So, so we don't even know. One thing like I, <laughs> for me is I do think that there's just a lot of possibility to talk about. Like, where do you think the show is going next? Um, I guess they're going into the whole Zaya versus Hidden Intelligence being the main uh, storyline. 
they still have Hirobi there, which he's still saying like humanity caused this. And Fuwa seemed really interesting into how the hell did you know humanity bring this upon himself. So maybe Fuwa goes and does some research back at daybreak or tries to put a few pieces together and see exactly what happened. But uh, I feel like the main focus of the show right now is Hidan versus uh, Zaya. But uh, I'm still glad to see Hirobi there because that's the main plot I'm worried about. It's like humanity versus, uh, you know, the Ma the Magir. I'm kind of wondering if maybe we'll get like an a like weird like um not odd couple, but maybe even like a like um you're the criminal, like I'm the cop thing happening with um with Fua and like Hirobi, like. It just seems like maybe they're going to reach a point where like they're desperate and have to be allied because that would be interesting. Because like right now we're seeing them set up to basically like be the only characters at Ames. I'm wondering if they're just going to have lots of conversations and have to do something together or like hang out or like help each other at some point. Yeah, and I can't really tell if Hirobi's trying to use Fuwa's motives against him, and you know once he's free, he's like, "Ha, I got you." Or if he's actually trying to show Fuwa what the hell is so bad about humanity. Like, they try to come at an end or see eye to eye. So I really can't call it right now. But I'm more interested in that plot right now. I'm not really a fan of the guy character. Like I said, I need to see a little bit more episodes with him in it. And, uh, yeah. I think that Yua's going to have a lot to do because we've shown her as conflicted. And I think that um, Metsubo Jinra, I guess, the, like name has four characters in it and so far each of like Hirobi and Jin and like Raiden each their name matched one of the characters so people think there's still like a bow out there like another character who's part of Metsubo Jinra I didn't even realize that for me like it's still Yua I hope that she gets like at some point like a power up to be plot relevant because right now she's on like level one and like, <laughs> yeah, you've got like Thouser on like level three, and it's like, okay, like, when are you gonna like digivolve or whatever? <laughs> yeah, she looks miserable even when she was doing like the announcement for the contest. She looks like fuck. Like, what did I get myself into? So, um, there's potential bounce bounce back for her. Yeah, like j- just character wise, I'm most interested there, and also that we like get like hints of what is singularity for both for Izu and for like Hirobi, I think like, I think like they're both going to have some interesting things to do in the coming episodes. Where can they find you, James? You can find me at popconet on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can find me at twitter.com at James forge. And you can find the podcast at come ride with me. You can find our website, come And you can email us podcast at come also, uh, for next time, um, we're going to look at the 2017 Power Rangers reboot, uh, which has one of my favorite ways to open any movie, uh, where the Red Ranger talks about jerking off a cow. <laughs> but yeah, till next time, uh, watch Power Rangers and uh, commit crimes. <laughs> Peace. Yeah, make make sure you commit the crime first.